Then, I got a good news, we're going to be running a van on Wednesday night. Kevin Thompson has volunteered to run a van, so if you're an elderly, sorry, is that an amen? Jolly good. I didn't even ask for that when I got it. And so if, if, you need to, if you're an elderly person or if you know a young person needs a ride to church, we've got a van going to run. Now, I sort of figured out while we had a good crowd today, y'all thought Brian was going to preach today. <laughs> and uh, I, got, I hate to tell you, but he'll be preaching next Sunday. You've got to put up with me today. If you would get a Bible and stand with me, turn to Revelation chapter 4, Revelation chapter 4, and Revelation chapter 11. I want you to hold your finger in both places, both Revelation 4 and Revelation chapter number 11. We're going to be flipping back forth uh, between the two chapters, Revelation 4, Revelation 11. Let me say this, while you're standing, while you're finding your place, we have some wonderful, wonderful Wednesday night services. We're studying the book of Revelation on Wednesday night. I go in depth. I'm going to be sort of preaching topical this morning. But I do go in depth. I go, we go to Bible college on Wednesday nights. Don't miss our Wednesday night study of the book of Revelation. Going to give you just a little taste of that this morning. The wet your whistle. We're going to read. There's only um, uh, Revelation chapter 4. There's only 11 verses there. Let's read all 11 quickly. Take me a couple of minutes. This is John, the revelator. He says in verse number one, after this I looked and behold a door was opened in heaven. That has some big implications. I don't have time to stick there much. And the first voice which I heard was as it were a trumpet talking with me saying, come up hither and I will shew thee things which must be hereafter. Wow. So he's going to see a heavenly vision. Number, verse number two. And immediately I was in the spirit and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one that sat on the throne. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight, like unto an emerald. Wow, what a, these vivid colors and vivid descriptions. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment. And they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. And there were lamps of fire before burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass likened to crystal in the midst of the throne and round about the throne. The four beasts were full of eyes before and behind and the first beast was like a lion, second beast a calf, third beast had the face of a man, fourth beast was like a flying eagle and the four beasts had each of them six wings about him and they were full of eyes within and they rest not night, day and night saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is, and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks unto him that sat upon the throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat upon the throne, and worship him that liveth forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they were created. Wow. 
There is one word that occurred over and over and over and over in this chapter. I did not emphasize it, but if you go back and look, don't do it now, you'll find the word throne. Throne appears over and over and over in this chapter. That's what we're going to preach on this morning quickly from the book of Revelation on God's throne. Father, let's pray. Father, we're grateful for the day. Lord, I thank you for the house of God. Thank you for this place of worship. Thank you for each one that's come out to worship you today. I pray, Father, you take the word of God and fill our hearts and feed us from your precious word. For it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated. That word throne, I'm going to preach fast this morning. Now my mama says when I preach fast, I preach hateful. So please overlook if I sound that way. Please overlook it. I'm going to preach fast. The first thing that John sees when he is caught up into heaven is this thing called the throne. He didn't notice the angels much. He didn't notice the streets of gold and the beautiful palaces and the temple and the the, the lights and everything else. John was captivated when he goes through this door into heaven. He is captivated by this throne. Just as soon as the Spirit caught him up into heaven, he sees uh, this elevated seat and it is just overwhelming for him to gaze his eyes upon. As Americans, I don't think we really understand the meaning of a throne. We don't have a king. We don't have elevated thrones or elevated seats. We do have a president who presides. We do have a speaker of the house who sits in a seat. We have seats of authority, but we do not have and we do not operate under a throne. But let me remind you that heaven does. Heaven operates under a throne and there's one sitting on the throne and his name is God, Jehovah God. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 20, the king that sitteth on the throne of judgment scattereth away all evil with his eyes. Well, let me tell you something about a kingdom and a king. If you've got a good king, it really works good. But if you've got a bad king, it sucks. Amen. And so that's exactly why our founding fathers came to America and created a Congress, a Senate, and a House of Representatives so we don't have a kingdom and never get a bad king. Now, we've got some bad presidents at times, amen, but we've never had a bad king. We don't understand it. What's the point? Listen, heaven does not operate under a Senate. Heaven does not operate under a House of Representatives or a Congress never convenes. Heaven operates under God's authority. And so this word throne comes from the Greek word thronos. And let me tell you something. There is something that stands out in heaven. If you've ever wondered what heaven is like, let me give you a little glimpse through the eyes of John the Revelator. In the middle of heaven, in the center of this universe, there's an elevated seat of authority and God sitting on it. And that's what stands out in heaven. None of this other stuff stands out. This thronos stands out. It is the seat of a power. It is the seat of authority. It is the seat of the sovereignty of God. The Bible says, For as much as there is none like unto thee, O Lord, thou art great, and great is thy name in power and might. 
Now, I got a question when I think about this, and we're going we're to look at a philosophical question that everybody has when you consider the authority and the power and the sovereignty and the seat of God. I've got a question. If God is this powerful God, and he is over all, and he presides over all, and he is sovereign, and there's none like him, and he's the most powerful being in the universe, then uh, why didn't he do something about war? Why doesn't he do something about cancer? Why doesn't he do something about all the evils in this world? Sin. But think about this. He's sovereign in heaven, but he's not yet sovereign on earth. Now, I'm going to prove that to you from the Bible. It's It's real easy. Now, some people believe that God is sovereign on earth. Some people believe that. That we're all just little robots and everything you do and everything they do and everybody that gets saved is because God forces us to. Wrong. God is not sovereign on earth yet. Okay? So let's answer some questions. The first question that's asked is if God is sovereign, why doesn't he do something about evil, cancer, and war? Well, the first question is if he's sovereign, I don't have to worry about that question. God is sovereign. So the second question is, why doesn't he do something on earth? Well, I've got to settle that, that, that part B of that question. Listen, God has so designed our planet that you and I have a choice. We are not heavenly robots. We were not created to just walk around here and everything's predestinated to happen. No, sir. We're given choices. But with that choice, if you have the freedom to choose between good and evil, light and darkness, then with that choice, it's going to come evil sometimes. And God is sitting on his throne representing the good choice, but he has delegated his authority to men to be their own authority. I exercise my autonomous authority in my sphere. Are you listening? Amen. I mean, I built my barn like I wanted to. I built my house like I wanted to. I built my fence like I wanted to. That was my authority in my sphere. God wanted me to be an independent individual. Are y'all listening? He sure did. But along with that freedom of selection comes the fact that God does not intervene in every situation of life. He doesn't. You know, if God would have intervened in every situation of life, why did somebody wreck in front of me coming to church this morning? If God intervened in every situation of life, why did they find a a young boy locked in a a dog cage not far from me, and his his parents locked him in a dog cage out on the porch, and, and his feet got frostbite, so they're thinking about removing his feet. How sad is that? It makes you... I'm glad I'm not a police officer because sometimes I'd want to execute my own judgment. And, and listen, you say, so, so God, listen, God does not always intercede with his power on earth. He doesn't. That's why Jesus taught us to pray this prayer. And it's going to mean something more to you now once I bring this point out. If God doesn't intercede in every detail of earth, Jesus taught us to pray in the model prayer 
Thy will be done on earth as it is in Why did he teach us to pray like that? Because God's will is being done in heaven. But it's not being done on earth. If you think God's will is being done on earth, go down to the prison. Amen. So Jesus, listen, I think we just got our eyes open to the importance of that prayer. Lord, let your will be done in my life. I am praying, Lord, for your intervention in my life. Without God's intervention in my life this morning, I would have been the one in the accident. And and Kevin would have been preaching. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So what are you saying, preacher? God help us as the people of God to pray for the intervention of God in our lives, in our families, in our church. Why are we prayerless? Do we want God's will in our life? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And see, there are people who teach this false sovereignty of God, that God's sovereign in the earth, and if you you were meant to be saved, you're going to be saved, God's going to force you to be saved. Horse hockey. I said it from the pulpit, and I'll say it again. Amen. God is not, is not forcing his will on man today. I'm not part of the frozen chosen, I guess you might say. So, If God doesn't force things, he doesn't force us to serve him, the Bible says choose you this day whom you will serve. You've got a choice. You chose this morning in 37 degree rainy weather to get up and be in the house of God. Praise God for you and your choices to be here. Shame on you if you laid in the bed, amen, on Facebook, I'll just say that. (laughs) We're to choose. Why is there evil in this world? Because man chose evil. God gave us a choice and we chose evil. Can I tell you something that is absolutely biblically founded? If you took the devil and all of his angels right now and put them in the pit of hell, man would still be mean. If you took every bad influence away from human beings today... They'd still have a fallen nature and want to sin and do evil and have war. Amen. It would all still exist without the devil and anybody. It sure would. And I ain't got time to prove that to you, but I can if you've got questions about that. I'll teach that to you after the service. Amen. Why is there war? Because man chooses conflict over peace. One man wants to rule over another. One nation wants their philosophy of communism or socialism or even freedom to rule over another nation. That's why there's war. Why is there cancer? (laughs) Reed answered it, because sin entered into the world. God told Adam, the day you eat of that fruit, of that tree, you're going to surely die. Well, you know what that meant? Adam didn't die for about 900 some years. That just meant that sin was going to enter in, sickness was going to enter in, and death was going to enter in when he became disobedient. We'll never be rid of sin until Jesus comes. We'll never be rid of death. 
The Bible says, look at Revelation 17, it's, or Revelation 11, I had you to turn there. Revelation 11, look at verse 17. When does, okay, so preacher, when is God going to be sovereign? When is God going to take unto him his great power? When is God going to stop all this stuff? Well, Revelation 11, 17 says this, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast underlined this, because thou hast taken unto thee thy great power and hast reigned. Revelation chapter number 11, God says it's time for me to step in. And boy, let me tell you something. When you read what happens in the tribulation period to come, when you read what happens on planet earth to come, oh my goodness, it's not too good. So when God steps in, he's going to correct things the way they ought to be. But he doesn't step in until a future revelation chapter number 11, verse number 17. So for right now, friend, I've got to put up with evil, war, sickness, suffering, trials, troubles, and tribulations. And while I'm doing that, I need to be praying, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen, preacher. So, here, that's why, listen, we ought to have already been praying this this morning. And I bet you not one person in this congregation prayed it. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. So you can take your authority. So you can usurp your sovereignty. So you can rule over these things. Listen, our blessed hope this morning is not that we can beat Russia and Ukraine. Our blessed hope this morning is not that we have enough nuclear armament to keep China at bay. Our blessed hope this morning is the fact that Jesus Christ is coming. It's a blessed, for the, you know, the Bible calls it a blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank God. Boy, we're at the throne. Whew, I'm getting chill bumps. John here is caught up here and overwhelmed at the throne. Never, I mean, John's been living on earth. Matter of fact, John's on the Isle of Patmos, alone, exiled, hungry, not enough clothing, exposed to the elements. John has is, is been exiled to the Isle of Patmos. He's never seen God in this atmosphere before. And all of a sudden, he says, I got sucked up through this doorway and right into the throne room of God and my Goodness, I couldn't believe my eyes. The brilliance of colors. The Bible says, if you look, it says, he that sat upon it was jasper. That is yellow green. He's like a sardine stone. That's a, a, like a brownish red stone. John has never seen such colors, such brilliance. John has never seen God sitting on his throne in, in his sovereignty. He says, round and about the throne was a rainbow. A complete rainbow encircling the throne. Now somebody, some of these folks today, have hijacked the rainbow. And somebody pointed this out to me and I had to look it up. But their rainbow has six colors and God's rainbow has seven. And you know what? Their rainbow is half. God's rainbow is a full circle. Amen. Now, if I read that right, they're about half off and missing something. Amen, Amen preacher. Amen. Yes, sir. So John is all struck with these. Listen, 
If I live in the theater now of God's creation, you do too. And I get awestruck sometimes at a, a tree. I do. I love trees. I can just pick out an individual tree. I don't care if it's a cedar or a dead ash tree. I can just marvel at it. And when I see a flower open up and I see the symmetry and the beauty, my, my eyes are, are viewing God's creation. God has put his attributes into creation and they're beautiful. But what's it going to be when God takes me through that doorway and peels back the flesh off of my eyes and I view him in his glory? Holy smoke. No wonder these beasts are circling the throne of God and saying, holy, 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 night and day, Lord God Almighty. Wow. Man. Mm. We're on holy ground this morning. John is awe-strucken with this. Why was John given this experience? Why was John caught up to heaven and he saw all this? This was not a vision. He went there. You know why? He was going to have to come back and finish out his time on the Isle of Patmos. John was going to have to finish out his life on a lonely, deserted island with barely enough food and barely enough clothing to survive. But don't you know the rest of his life, it didn't bother him that bad. Amen. He knew where he was going. God gave him a vision to say, John, no matter how bad it gets in this life, you keep looking up. I give you a little glimpse of it. Boy, I'm going to tell you something. Every once in a while, this old preacher gets a glimpse of something that keeps me going. Praise God, I get discouraged. Uh, I get down. Sometimes I double question myself. I'm under stress and anxiety, but I begin to look up, and it empowers me to keep going. Not only was John given that vision to empower him to keep going. It was, listen, John was going to, if you read what John saw, as God peels back the future to John, he's going to see nuclear war. He's going to see asteroids the size of football fields fall out of the sky and destroy one-third of the earth. He's going to see people die and destruction and war and famine. My goodness, he's going to... But you know what? It all goes back to this. He saw God's throne first. And it empowered him to see that all of that other vision and to say, I can handle all this because God's still on his throne. And let me tell you something, folks. I do not know. I do not know what we're going to face before the rapture of the church, but God's still on his throne. I do not know what's going to happen tomorrow. I, I think 2023 is going to be a turbulent year globally. But God's still on his throne. And I'm going to pray, God, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So, John caught this glimpse to be empowered. Verse 11 of chapter 4, look at verse 11. Of chapter 4, flip back. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, 
And for thy pleasure they are, and they were created. You say, why did God create the world? And why did he let it fall? And why did he let sin? Because the Bible just said he did it for his own pleasure. He's God and he wanted to do it. That's all the reason I need. He's God. He had the authority. He had the power. And he wanted to. I'm glad he did. I exist because he did. I'm going to heaven because he did. I'm going to enjoy eternity knowing that I made the right choice when I came to Jesus Christ and got saved. Praise God for what he's done. Thou art worthy. Listen, I need to realize this morning that the throne of God is the center of the universe. The center. Let me me make sure my pronunciation is correct. Center. God's throne is the center of the universe. It can't be visited with an interstellar rocket. It can't be viewed with the James Webb telescope. You won't pick it up on sonar, radar, 5G, or artificial intelligence. Amen. Can't be viewed. You say, why is that, preacher? Go back to verse 1 of chapter 4. I want to teach you something here. Boy, this is going to get deep. I want you to put on your thinking cap. Because here we go, this is kind of like Wednesday night teaching. So if you like this kind of thing, you need to be with us on Wednesday night. Chapter 4, verse number 1, John said, And after this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. Now, I, I got news for you. This wasn't an oak door with a little knocker on the front of it. It wasn't a little door with a, with a nice little wreath on it it was the it was the gateway to heaven john saw a portal a portal it is the greek word thura thura and it means a portal john didn't go through an oak door a screen door he didn't knock on it he got sucked through a portal into heaven You say, preacher, are there things like that? Well, let me give you some of Einstein, what he said. The throne of God is beyond our senses. I mean, we got five senses. And and if our five senses can't detect it, science, that's where science works. Science works in the realm of our senses. And if science can't detect it, they say it don't exist. But Einstein was the greatest scientist that's ever been. And he said that in this universe, according to his theory of relativity, which I don't understand, but according to that, there are wormholes in this universe. And I got to reading about them things and got my mind blown. Because somehow these wormholes connect disparate points in space and time. Let me read you this. Science believes that these wormholes are special projections of a fourth spatial dimension. Well, do you ever think that fourth spatial dimension might be heaven? Science says that there are wormholes that lead into a fourth spatial dimension. That if you go in this side of a wormhole, you could be sucked into that and a billion light years later, you come out on the other side thinking that three seconds has passed. That's mind-boggling. That's science. 
So if science says something like that exists, you know what I think? I think God, I don't know if God used a wormhole, I don't know. But I know this, God opened a spiritual barrier and said, John, come on into the center of the universe. Now my mind is really blown. We're outside of earth, we're outside of physics, we're outside of science, and we're into the realm of God. My goodness. I don't understand cosmic strings. I don't understand dark matter. I don't understand negative mass. But John says it just like this. I was taken through a thorough into another dimension. And one day, dear friend, I'm going to stop right there and tell you that when you die, you're going to go through a thorough into another dimension. And you, dear friend, are going to stand before the throne of God. Whether you are saved or whether you are lost, you will face God in one of two judgments. One judgment for the saved and one judgment for the lost. My advice to you is you better get ready to be sucked through this thura because you have an appointment. It is appointed and the man wants to die. And after this, the judgment of God. Amen. Amen. But John sees here the center of the universe and he sees a throne. That throne was not empty. God was on that throne. The Bible says there is a city of God where all the streams of God make glad. There is a throne and on that throne is the Creator and beside of the Creator at the right hand is the Savior. His name is Jesus. Praise God. Heaven. (laughs) Now I'm going to get a little funny here. have to we're closing the message but i got to thinking about what other religions teach about heaven it'll help us to to, to make a comparison here other religion i mean you know there's some religions that teach that you can reach this state down here called nirvana and if you'll sit cross-legged with your fingers out like this and go on you can reach a state of heaven and the state of nirvana down here. Let me tell you something. You do that, you're liable to get an evil spirit. You're summoning evil spirits. You're not going to experience heaven is not like that. Then there are other religions that says if you die and you're faithful to the end, you'll be sucked up to heaven where you can lay on a, a nice big soft fluffy couch and 72 virgins will feed you grapes out of a silver platter. What are you saying, preacher? That's appealing to the flesh, right? Heaven is not going to come to earth in a nirvana. Heaven is not full of people who are having their flesh satisfied. Are you listening? If you really go to heaven... There's going to be something there that's an experience beyond anything you've ever seen. God on his throne. God on his throne in heaven. You say, preacher, that don't thrill me much. Then you need to get saved. 
Oh, I tell you, that stirred something inside of me. Paul was caught up to the third heaven and God wouldn't let him describe what was there. But John got sucked up through this thura and he said, I'm going to tell you what I saw. He said, I saw seven things. A throne and him that sat on it and 24 elders and lightning and seven lamps and seven spirits of God and a crystal sea and beasts that were full of eyes that rested not saying, holy, 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 holy. Can I tell you something? God on his throne is the central theme of the book. It's not about virgins. It's not about fleshly desires. It's not about nirvana. It's about God on his throne. Praise God. So the Bible begins. Let me give you this little trip. Three-point trip through the Bible. The Bible begins with God on his throne. You know what he says? Let there be light. Let there be firmament. Let there be trees and grass and four-footed beasts. God's on his throne. But then you, you know what happened? Man sinned. And then you come to the middle of the Bible, second point, and Jesus has to be dethroned. And Jesus has to, I mean, he's sitting there elevated in heaven and everything that's going on in heaven is going on in the will of God. Everything is beautiful. Everything is wonderful. And God said, come here a minute, Jesus. I want you to go down there in that sinful cesspool of the world. And I don't just want you to go. I want you to die. I want you to die and be spit upon and crucified and they're going to treat you terribly and you're going to represent heaven and all the sovereignty of God and all the will of God and all the beauty of heaven. You're going to be representative of that and they're going to hate you and kill you. Well, I just made time fly. (laughs) And here's what Jesus did. He said, I'll go. And he steps down into this cesspool of sin that we call a world. And he goes to an old rugged cross. And he takes my sin. And he nails it to his cross. He takes the ordinances of God that were against me and he nailed them to his cross. He takes my lusts and my evil and he nails them to his cross. And then he ascends. The Bible says, and he's waiting until heaven has made his throne and earth has made his footstool. Amen. <coughs> and then the book ends with God back on his throne. Amen. Praise God, he's back where he deserves. He's right back where he started. Oh, he created by him were all things that were created in heaven and earth, whether it be principalities or powers. Hey, everything was created by him. And he came to his creation, and now he's back on his throne. Praise God. And you and I who are saved can see him on his throne because of what he did when he was dethroned. Praise God. That's what heaven is. That is what heaven is. Amen. Well, i got to close all things now as we close the message. Boy, I feel like I've just been right to the throne of God. 
The central theme here is God on his throne and now all things have come to a conclusion. There's a culmination. God's on his throne. There's a culmination of time. There's a conclusion of the world. Space, matter, time, dimension, dark matter, wormholes, everything else you can imagine in science is concluded at the feet of God. Peter tells us this, 1 Peter 4, 7. But the end of all things is at hand. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, watch and be sober. <laughs> all you got to do is listen, turn on the radio news tomorrow or the TV news tomorrow or go to YouTube and get some of that stuff from overseas and you'll find that the end of things is all at hand. Watch, therefore, and be sober. And Peter says it like this. Watch unto prayer. What should my prayer be? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May I say in closing, Christian, it's up to you. You have a choice today. You have a choice to let God's will be done. To choose now for the present God's will as if it were done in eternity. To choose God's will today as if it were done in heaven. I'm going to ask you, Christian friend, to choose that for your life today. God, not my will. Isn't that what Jesus prayed? God, not my will, but thine be done. He that lives in the center of the universe ought to be the center of our life. And if you're lost, here I want to say something to you. You say, I've had so many people look at me and say, I can't be saved. I don't even believe God wants me to be saved. Yeah, you've believed the lie of them Calvinistic predestination election bunch so long. Listen, the Bible says it is not God's will that any should perish. It is not God's will. It's not God's will in heaven that any should perish. And it's not God's will on earth that any should perish. God is wanting you to be saved. If you're lost this morning, I'm going to ask you to come. Slip out of your seat and come to this altar and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. He is God. He is Creator. He died for you. He loves you. He wants to save you. He desires to keep you out of an eternity in hell. Slip out of your seat right now and come to Christ. Don't you put it off. One day you'll go through that thorough whether it be a portal or a wormhole or whatever, you'll stand before God. I, don't, I wouldn't go there without Jesus being my Savior. Amen. And right now, I'm asking you to come to Christ. 
You say, preacher, I, I, don't, I don't deserve it. Well, the Bible says, tells us one more thing about a throne. Let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace that we might find mercy to obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. God's throne today is not a throne of judgment. It is a throne of grace. It is a throne of mercy. And if you'll come to Jesus Christ and cast yourself before the throne of God by faith, the blood of Jesus Christ can give you you the grace and mercy, forgiveness and help you need for the rest of your life. I'm asking you to come. God's been dealing with people the last two weeks. Don't put it off. Today's the day of salvation. Now is an accepted time. In Jesus Christ, there's forgiveness, there's peace, there's joy. How do I get to Jesus? Huh. <laughs> You get to him by faith. There's none other name given among men under heaven whereby you must be saved. There's only one name under heaven. That throne, that center of the universe, that name is Jesus Christ. He himself says, I am the way. <laughs> Paul said we have access into this faith by grace when we stand. Jesus said this. And I'm through preaching. He said, I am the door. <laughs> I am the thorough. I am the portal. If you get into heaven, dear friend, it won't be because of your good works or your church membership or your baptism or because you said you got saved 40 years ago. It'll be because of Jesus Christ, period. Amen. Is your relationship right with him today?